What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from Off Guard, and I've got some exciting news. Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi, is officially moving to our own podcast feed. We are now dropping two shows every week. Me and Pasha go way back and talk so much hoops already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on these conversations. Every week, Pasha and myself will hit on the biggest stories happening around the league. Tap into the show twice a week on our new Off Guard feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's One Shining Podcast presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 or older and president select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Viore. If you're sick and tired of your old traditional workout gear, then I have two words that will change everything. Viore clothing. This line of active wear is truly unbelievable. And here's why. Look, you've seen me. You've seen the shorts I do on YouTube. I walk around, I do stuff. I listen to podcasts when I walk. I make calls when I walk. I like to wear comfortable workout equipment, you know, like nothing nuts, just like a really nice pullover, comfortable pants to walk around. Viore is designed to work out in whatever you're doing, but it doesn't look or feel like you're working out at all. It's so freaking soft and comfortable. You'll never want to take it off. And here's the best part. You don't have to take it off. Wear Viore clothing to train, travel, or lounge around the house. I do a lot of lounge around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash ringer. V-U-O-R-I dot com slash ringer. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we are having a manic Monday here with Kyle Mann, and we're going to do a Kentucky-Carolina deep dive. Uh, These are our two schools. These are our two teams, and uh, we have a lot to talk about after the game on Saturday. We're also going to do the good, the bad, and the ugly, talk a little Will Wade, talk about Andy Enfield and USC. Also going to talk Arizona-Purdue, Memphis-Clemson, UConn-Gonzaga, and of course, Kansas, Indiana, the Adidas Showdown. So we got a jam-packed show. Going to be a fun show. Excited to get into all these games. Kyle, anything else before we get into today's episode? It's a good 40 minutes on UK, UNC. But if you haven't, now's the time to check out that time code button. But first, <laughs> Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical They're foul. Technical foul. Technical foul. Welcome back to One Shining Podcast. It is Monday, December 18th. And in case you missed it this past weekend, we got a blue blood battle between Kentucky and Carolina, a.k.a. the OSP Showdown. It's Manic Monday. And Kyle, man, congratulations to you and the Kentucky Wildcats. Big win. Um, Trying to be a big man here and give you all your kudos. So we can talk about the winners first. uh, But... uh, Wow, what 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 a what a good game! You know, who would have thought? Every single time these teams meet, it it ends up being a good game. Yeah, a few things here to start. Good to see you. Um, I just wanted <laughs> to say, um, you know, just just from the top, looking at this game, um, 
I appreciate. First, I want to say we humbly accept your praise. We as we as a fan base, I'll take the liberty of speaking for us. Secondly, I was thinking going forward, you know, assuming we're going to have more of these in the future, I feel like we should have some kind of like ritual, like where I was because I was thinking when we down the stretch, and we'll talk about the game in more detail here, but like down the stretch, you know, we were texting each other during the first half. Tate remarkably pulled pulled out the first. Unfortunately, that's game. I think it was like. A few minutes, you know, into the first half, he was ready to say, unfortunately, that's game, which I was like, that's a little, you know, even for you, Tate, that's a little premature uh, rim shot. Um, but I was going to say, too, that, um, you know, maybe maybe we could set up a thing where we do like the Adam Sandler, Happy Gilmore thing. Like, you know, the loser has to come on and say, like, you're the best. I'm the worst. You know, maybe some <laughs> kind of thing like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, overall, yeah, I mean, it was it was a fun weekend, and people were talking about the series with this with this one. I was for sure we were going to blow this, and they were like, "Oh, Cal's own UNC lately. Cal's own UNC." And you look at the and you look at the the line of the games, and it's like, "Oh, the twenty seventeen one." I'd trade all those regular season games for that freaking Luke May shot, man. I don't. I, I got no joy out of people saying that. They're like, Cal owns UNC. It's like, mm. well, yeah, I, I would trade all those recent ones for that for that heartache. So it's nice to win the regular season game. Hopefully, you know, if they win again, it doesn't, or if they meet again, it doesn't flip the way the way it has. Yeah, Calipari six and one against North Carolina when they're a top ten team going into this game. North Carolina number nine in the country, so you could kind of see the writing on the wall heading into this game. And in reality, this was the most Calipari uh, experience I've ever had. First off, they're in Catlanta, they're in Atlanta. The game before Ohio State UCLA completely empty. Nobody is there. Nobody is watching these two teams. I felt like that was the Louisville Bowl. It's like whoever loses this game can take the Louisville job. So Mick Cronin, congratulations! You will get a phone call very soon from the Louisville Cardinals. Um, and I was worried because I was thinking to myself, this is going to look bad if you have two blue bloods in Atlanta playing each other and it's an empty gym, it's going to be a bad look for the CBS classic. But as, um, you know, Kentucky fans started to filter in, I was like, okay, I get it now. Uh, Kentucky fans, when they go to Atlanta, they're locked in and it turned into a great environment. It turned into a great setup. You could tell by the fans that were in the building that it was big blue nation. They were loud. They were proud and Calipari wearing his suit on the sideline. I mean, at one point he bumps an official, gets a technical. Um, and the crowd's loving it. You know what I mean? It was just like the perfect setup for Calipari to do what he needs to do. And, you know, Hubert Davis got, you know, nicest guy ever, ultimate good guy. But him screaming at the officials, like, you're going to have no sway in this game. You know what I mean? This is this is what John Calipari wants. This is what he needs. And he got a great performance from our guy, Rob Dillingham, uh, which people were calling him Rob Dillingham after the game. So shout out that's to all the Rob good. Dillingham I'm, fans out I there. I haven't thought about that one. That's, it's, that's not it's bad. A, it's a good one, and I got a stat for you. Uh, Rob Dillingham is now the only player in the country to uh, have 25-plus points, 7-plus assists per 40 minutes uh, in the country. And John Calipari after the game, Rob Dillingham leading scorer off the bench, um, 17 points, was really good in this one. Looked like he took it a little bit personally. Um, but after the game, Calipari was talking about Dillingham, and he said he's got three strikes. I got a three-strike rule with him. And um, it, it's, it's funny when you watch Dillingham because you can kind of see that he is like on a pitch count or a strike count, whatever you want to call it, with Calipari. And in this game, he was just perfectly uh, the embodiment of the electricity that we've all kind of you know known about him uh, at some level. So this was a Rob Dillingham game, and he's from North Carolina. So I, I feel like he was the main storyline from the Kentucky side. Am I am I correct in feeling that way? Uh, he was definitely a bright spot. I mean, you know, I think the difference in the game, you know, um, speaking to like the the crowd and the environment, things like that. I thought this game had a lot of or in the early part of the game, I felt like it had a lot of eager 
anxious energy that wanted to go somewhere. You could feel the crowds like, <laughs> right. and that's all kind of dependent. I wasn't in the building. I'm assuming you're you're back in Carolina. I'm really distracted by like the UNC. Kyle, do you see that's like UNC Santa set that's like behind? Yeah. My, my mom has the all North- the... Yeah, she has all the UNC Santas, uh, like every iteration of Hold them. Hold on and a minute. You say, that, you say that as if it's some implied thing that, that everyone knows exists. UNC Santas is the most North Carolina-ass thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, you're, you're, sh- act, you're acting like we, sh- she, we're, we should know those already <laughs> exist. You can't just operate like that. What the hell? What is going on back there? So my mom is a graduate of 1982 North Carolina, so she's diehard. But she has all these Santa Clauses that are in, like, North Carolina garb, and they have, like, basketballs. They're all like Santa Claus, Carolina basketballs. And then in the middle of all the Santa Clauses, there is a 1982 all signed basketball, Michael Jordan, Dean Smith, everybody like sitting in the center of it. I don't know. You probably can't see that by the angle, but that's, that's her setup. And and this is who we're dealing with. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people, they meet me and they're like, oh, you're this, you know, diehard Carolina guy, you know, whatever, whatever. In my family, I am probably the most unbiased of the Carolina fans. You know what I mean? Like my mom is the most diehard and you can tell by the Santa Claus collection. I I think Kentucky has these as well. I'm sure there's some Kentucky people out there with Kentucky Santa Clauses. I would have to suspect. Yeah, I've never been (laughs) as much into the sort of like accepted, you know, memorabilia, the sort of like token stuff that a lot of like maybe there is a UK thing. I I honestly hate like, you know, like Christmas, like paraphernalia like that. Honestly, it's no it's it's each their own. I like going to other people's houses when they have it. Like I I love going into a house and they have like a huge train set or they have, Mm. you know, a lot of like just crazy like that's all awesome. I'm a little more understated, you know, for my own house. You know, I, right. maybe it's a matter of not wanting to get it out, not wanting to put it up. It's probably on that level, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah. I want to enjoy your your setup. Anyway, <laughs> what I was going to say, though, is just that, like, um, I wasn't in the building. So I kind of heard a lot of the um, the crowd was ready to go back and forth. But in terms of, like, the overall flow of the game, and we can get into more the sort of the the, the machinations that, that happened and what led to the result. I felt like a big difference in the game was Rob, was DJ Wagner, was sort of the, you know, you saw some of the sort of swings in the fight, some of the momentum sort of, and there was like a section in near like overlapping in like the end of the first half, uh, beginning of the second half that I want to talk about, but, uh, and, and what Carolina did to kind of get back into it and make it an interesting game. But I, I thought the one-on-one sequences were the difference, really. When the boat was rocking, that was the thing that, like, Kentucky was trying to produce offense. And they haven't had that in recent years, you know. And I, th- I think, like, on-ball creators, um, they've, they've kind of struggled to have those guys on the roster lately. And I th- Dillingham made a couple plays. They were definitely, like, you live – Dillingham is in a special sort of percentile of Cal guards that, like, we haven't had a ton of, like, Malik was like that a little bit at times. You know, I know we had the game between, you know, UNC and, and, uh, and Kentucky out in Vegas. Maxi would have those moments. It's the no-no yes guys. You know, Jamal Murray a little bit too at times. But, you know, Dillingham down the stretch of that game had a couple plays where I was like, oh, God, what's he going to do? And I think I even texted you. I was like, I have a bad feeling that Kentucky season <laughs> right. might end with a bad Rob Dillingham choice. Um, I don't want that to come to fruition. But the plays that he made, you know, you mentioned him like I, I'm curious about the Carolina thing, too. You you had some interesting thoughts about his recruitment. Like, you know, is, does it sting? And what about the Cadeau part of this? How pleased were you with the, the Dillingham Cadeau outcome in this game? 
Yeah, the Dillingham part of this, and I've had a lot of, you know, Carolina people. I mean, I always have a respect to me, even when John Wall played against Carolina in his first Kentucky game and he was electric, you know what I mean? There was the moment where you're like, that's a North Carolina kid. I would love for him to be a North Carolina player, but there's always been a disconnect between some of these guys like that are just at a certain level and they're recruited at a certain level and North Carolina would have this kind of, um, we stay away from that type of player, right? Where it's like, uh, he's probably what does that getting mean? some... Well, guys that are bad guys, you know what I mean? Not BAD guys, BAG guys. These are bad guys that are that are players in high school that immediately you're like, okay, he's probably not going to be a Carolina kid. And Rob Dillingham, until probably about the ninth, 10th grade, felt like he could be a Carolina kid. He does his little visit. He gets his offer. He takes the pictures with, you know, I had all these people tweeting at me pictures of Rob Dillingham in like Carolina, you know, gear when he went on his visit. They're like, what do you mean Carolina didn't recruit him? Well, as soon as he went to Donda, um, he was a full-on Adidas kid, right? So once you're in the Adidas ecosystem, North Carolina is stay away because they are not an Adidas school. They Calipari is, uh, I don't care who the hell you play for. If you're good at basketball, we'll find a way. You know what I mean? Where, where there's a will, there's a way. And John Calipari will find a way to pay. And uh, that's just what it is. And now that we live in the world where the NCAA is basically, we'll talk about what Will Wade had to say. They're basically nothing at this point, and they're on their way to being even more relevant. Now everything's open season. And I think if Rob Dillingham, maybe in three years as a recruit, North Carolina is more proactive and they do recruit him. But I went to the Donda game a few years ago when Rob was playing. I asked their coach, I was like, is Carolina involved at all? He was like, if they will, if they showed any interest, Rob would have interest, but they, they haven't shown any interest. They haven't recruited him at all. He does have an offer, but he was like, I don't even know how much that offer really still stands at this point. You know what I mean? So Rob's in the Adidas ecosystem. He had committed to NC State, obviously an Adidas school. Um, so Dillingham was just always the one that got away. I know his dad loves North Carolina, said he wanted him to go to North Carolina, but it was always just a, a conversation where it was a moot, moot point. You know what I mean? It was not going to happen. Um, he was not going to be a Carolina basketball player. But the reality is when you see John Wall sitting courtside, giving him advice, and it's basically two North Carolina point guards that in my mind, in a perfect world, would play for North Carolina, playing for a, a blue blood that is, you know, we're, you know, one, two all time, you know what I mean? Like that you're competing against and they're playing for them and they're, you know, scheming up against you and having the best game of their career against North Carolina. I think it hurts a little bit more because you're like, what is going on here? Why, why is this kid not on our team? And it's a lot of politics behind it, but that's just, you know, that's the reality of recruiting in basketball. Oh man, I, I feel like Kentucky people would go insane if that if the roles were reversed. If the if it was like you know, try, Reed Shepard was at Carolina. Yeah, Imagine and, that. And, <laughs> and then and then I'm I'm like Rondo was on the sidelines in, in his ear talking to. I just feel like Kentucky fans would just what's the what's this, the overall population of North Carolina? I'm trying to compare get a comparison here because I don't. It doesn't feel like you all are as mad about it as I think we would be because Kentucky's like four four and a half million people. You all have yeah, more metropolitan area. We're, we're, we we're like 11 million North Carolina okay, is what okay. the census says. 2020 census says 11 million people in North Carolina. So maybe it's enough. And obviously like the triangle, it's kind of its own little area. You know what I mean? That's where John Wall is from. Then you got like the Charlotte, Greensboro, Winston-Salem area, right? So like there, there's different factions uh, of, of the state itself, the eastern part of North Carolina. You know, I'm from the Piedmont area, you know, the northern part closer to Virginia. So like... I think the factions uh, kind of dictate where, where the frustration comes from. But I remember like Grant Williams going to Tennessee 
I was like, I, I want this guy to go to Carolina. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but he was a Charlotte kid and Rick Barnes has kind of had like his, you know, his hand, um, you know, in the Charlotte pool for quite some time. But um, Dillingham and Wall, I think, are the two that really, really hurt, especially John Wall. John Wall was a word of God. I mean, I, I watched him play when I was in middle school and high school and I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, why is this guy everybody going to Carolina? <laughs> think, like, you're doing the dance, was. you know what I mean? Do the John Wall. I mean, it was a great time. But yeah, oh, I mean, it, it's frustrating, but maybe not at the same level. Because Kentucky is, a, you know, I think it's a little bit more, you know, smaller, condensed, and and people will bite your head off if you go outside, so. I get yeah, that. yeah. I mean, it's it's the only I mean, it's the only show in town here. I mean, it, you know, I, I remember um, I, my dad and I, I we're going to talk about the game. This is just speaking to sort of the cultural kind of parallels, I think, because we have a lot of things in common in terms of like our hoops communities. But we were like at a post game and I remember I was it was Cal's early, early on. We were in the post game and like this lady was like had her hands clutched together and she was like almost in tears. She was so excited when she was hanging on cows every word. And my dad and I were like watching her with this like scientific fashion fascination. You know, we're, we're diehards, but this was amazing. And my dad was like, it, he was like some of these places, man. He was like, this is like, this is all they got going on. So yeah, I, I just, it's religion. Just speaks, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, just, that's just kind of what it is. I mean, this is, I mean, if North Carolina, when North Carolina loses to Kentucky, you know, like I got home to North Carolina that night with my family and like, there's just a, a damper on the mood. Yes. You know, they're excited that I'm home, but there's just like a certain level, like it's a 24 hour grace period of like, I'm not happy with my life right now because of Carolina back because of these 18 to 23 year olds who just lost yeah. in Atlanta. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, you spoke to it. I think the age range here was big. I think that Kentucky, you know, and luckily has kind of Cal has there's something funny with Cal that I want to talk about that I'm going to like, you know, good nature in, in good nature, give him a little bit of grief, sort of his like victory to his sort of like, uh, eat, you know, eat shit, buddy. I was right tour that he's mm-hmm. on and like, just yes. kind of like saying, anyway, we'll talk about that. I, let's, uh, we should talk about the game itself a little bit here. I, I think that like something really interesting, um, and I want to get your perspective on this too, is just, you know, Kentucky, didn't double Baycott as much as I thought that they would. And I was curious. You don't need to. Yeah, I was going to say, you all you all seem to have like a really interesting love-hate relationship with Baycott. <laughs> um, I don't know. How, how did you, you, you told me you thought this was one of the worst Carolina efforts on the year. Where did, where specifically did you see that like bubbling up? Well, whenever North Carolina plays a team that has height and has length, they have problems, and especially Armando Baycott. If you look at Baycott against Florida State throughout his career, that's the perfect litmus test of an issue with with height and length. So you go against Kentucky, they have height and length across the board, and I think they actually made the guards have more trouble. Elliot Cadeau, who you mentioned before, I think he had a lot of issues with the length of Kentucky, and and that especially on the defensive end, right? It's R.J. Davis on the defensive end. How many times do we see the too small celebration, right? And Kentucky has, you know, forces 17 turnovers. They have 19 points off turnovers that they force. They dominate the offensive glass. They get 18 more shots than North Carolina, right? I mean, and that's all to me, height, length, athleticism. And North Carolina had nobody that could really match that. And Armando, for as great as Armando is, those are the things that give him trouble. And in this game, um, I mean, he had two terrible fouls uh, set in screens that were illegal screens. I mean, that were just blatant illegal screens. And I think they were frustration. He was just trying to impose himself physically in the game by getting some hard screen set and he ends up setting moving screens and getting two bad fouls. He also had another terrible foul in the offensive end where he's trying to to get a guy creased down low, you know what I mean? And he just backs him out and it was an obvious blatant foul, you know what I mean? He just was completely 
out of the game, completely outclass and outmatch. And the problem with this North Carolina team is when they face a team with this kind of athleticism and length, they really don't have an answer, right? There, there's nobody that they could turn to on the bench and say, okay, this is a bad matchup. You know, we joke about being a bad matchup, but we can't go to the bench and say, oh, here's this guy who can help, you know, alleviate some of our concerns. They tried Jalen Withers, you know, Withers has some some moments, right? And he typically does, but he also has some boneheaded moments where you're like, you can't have this guy on the court on the offensive end because it's a turnover waiting to happen. Um, Zayden High, I wish they could, or Jalen Washington, one of those guys, they need them to be the answer when Baycott is not in the fold and not in the game. And, and this was the perfect example of it. And the funniest part to me was that you would think that Armando would have some some veteran you know moments in this game with a Bradshaw and just be like welcome to the welcome to the big leagues, but instead he was just completely outmatched and the guards were outmatched and outclassed. Other than RJ scoring, I mean it's a bunch of young guards and young players in general making North Carolina look like they were out of sorts. And uh, it comes down to length and athleticism. And it, it was two different levels, right? I think if anything, this North Carolina team goes back home and they say, we learned that there's levels to athleticism in the NCAA right now. And, and we're not quite there. Um, and I don't know if we have an answer moving forward when we play teams like that. So you think you think this is a case of Armando like really prefers to sort of physically impose his will. And then when he gets like, is it, is it sort of a, like a physicality versus craft kind of a thing? Like the craft just isn't there whenever the size is there and he just can't adjust. Is that kind of what you're seeing? Well, and it's also when you you turn your back to the basket and to the double team, you don't see the double team come. There's just like some of these things where, I, I would love if there was some sort of development, but it does feel like I've I've watched the same show, you know, over and over again. And there's really, you know, if anything, two years ago, if you watch the final four national championship title game run of that team, Armando looks like a different player. And I know he had the ankle in- injury uh, that he was dealing with, and maybe that's still bothering him at some level. But against Klingon and against Bradshaw, I mean, it, it was just obvious that there is a certain level that he is. I mean, he has no vertical I mean, he's probably jumps two inches in the air. You know what I mean? Oscar, like Oscar a, was like that. Oscar would right. was like that. If if it was a team that like he could like bury somebody into the basket, he'd go wild. He'd get you know he'd mm-hmm. get twenty and twenty. But if it was somebody, yes. if it was a situation that required, and that might be a test. That might be a commentary on these guys that are staying in school. Is that like the thing that would translate them to the next level? I guess Drew Timmy was sort of the inversion of that, where he was like all craft but really didn't have the size. I guess mm-hmm. maybe that's sort of a commentary on these guys that are staying in school longer is that they, they fit that sort of, that sort of mold. Um, I was, I was interested that like one of the major like takeaways I thought from the game, like going forward for Kentucky, that was that UNC, I thought really, really shined a light on. You talked about like youth and experience. I do think Kentucky's like cumulative size, um, or cumulative speed, I've talked about this before, was really off the charts. I think this Kentucky together as a group is faster than most teams and more and talented, and they love to score and get up and down. But like the ball screen navigation, I thought like, you know, UNC and, and RJ Davis and Baycott in, in particular, I, the, you were right, the moving screens were illegal. I thought they even had some that they could have called. They had one play where Baycott like, had Bradshaw on his butt and he literally did the old man move where he put his hands around Bradshaw and pulled him into him. Bradshaw lost his balance <laughs> and fell into Baycott and I think picked up his third. Do you remember the play I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was, yeah. I think it was his yeah. third. 
Yeah. Uh, but overall, like in the ball screens, I thought, you know, when Baycott wasn't sending illegal ones, I thought that they did a good job. Um, I mean, that was the thing that brought him back. I, I had it written down that like near the end of the first half, you know, there were some pretty interesting run swings, um, big shifts. So at like the 328 mark uh, in the first half, Kentucky was up 39-29. And then they had a sequence where it was Justin Edwards turnover, which is like, uh, we can talk about Justin Edwards. Uh, Rob missed a three. Uh, Ugana, who apparently supposedly had the flu. Kind of a weird question there if you have the flu. I don't know. Are, are you really eligible, like, medically to go out there and play a game? You're contagious. I don't know <laughs> yeah, about that. Like, so I much, think, I think Michael Jordan has created this weird thing where if you have the flu, like, you're supposed to play now to have your flu game. But in, in, in reality, it's, like, infectious and everyone's getting sick probably from it. So, I, yeah, it's definitely not the best thing to do. <laughs> I'd be, like, openly talking about it so that it's, like, distracting. Be like, oh, man, I'm sick. You know, coughing. coughing you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> just, like, just get, like, a real loose, deep cough. Ask, ask Asking guys at the free throw line if they got their flu shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, man, I wish I'd have got my flu shot. This is terrible. I feel horrible. Yeah. Do the Rudy <laughs> Gobert rub, you know, rub, like just sort of rub their arms or something. You just kind of really get in there and distract them and make it weird. But, uh, you know, you gonna, you gonna had a free throw attempt. And then it was Reed missed the three, Reed turnover, Rob missed the two, uh, Reed missed the two, and then Reeves missed the two. But during that stretch, UNC charges all the way back, cuts it to two. I text you and I'm like, we're going to blow this. Yeah. The dread starts 40 to, to 38. Right. Yeah. We've been losing these games. That's the thing is like, you know, uh, it's, it's, it was a nice one for Kentucky on that, on that front. But then in the second half, uh, Kentucky pushes it all the way back to a 12 point lead. And then UNC proceeds to go on basically like, uh, they just start going ball screen, ball screen with RJ Davis. And he was making shots. Like, uh, yeah. But I think the big thing that Kentucky needs to do, um, you know, they're skinny, they're going to struggle to like, contain dribble penetration I think on the year but I think that like you routinely saw them acting surprised when they were getting screened and the communication right there was really stressed um and I just think that that's a thing that they're gonna have to really 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 improve on because UNC kind of chewed them up on that front like I, I their their pick and roll efficiency was crazy in the second half of this game and it was really the same thing over and over again it was RJ and Baycott killing them with that yeah, RJ, 27 points in this game, 14 of those coming in the final eight minutes of the game. And it basically felt like it was, uh, there was a certain decision made where it's like, just get RJ the basketball. I mean, it was encouraging in the first half. Cormac Ryan hit some shots, kept Carolina kind of in the game. And then it felt like throughout the game, and, uh, you know, we we joke and roll our eyes when we hear a game of runs, but it really was a game of runs where Carolina tied the game at 40. And then they almost like took a sigh of relief to say, okay, we, we got it. We got our, we got everything settled here. And then all of a sudden now Kentucky goes on a 10-0 run, right? And then it's like, oh my God, we're back in the same spot, uh, back to panic mode. But RJ is the is the guy on this team. You know what I mean? I think that's the other bright spot for everyone in the country that was watching this game that maybe have not watched North Carolina. You, you have Baycott on your first team All-American list because it's a, you know, a career achievement award, you know? But RJ and Harrison Ingram are the two best players on this team. And they're the guys that I think, you know, Ingram, Davis, and Ryan really have to be the scorers. And, and Armando needs needs to be under the basket. It needs to be a garbage man, right? Tip-ins. Um, you know, he's the he's the only big on this team, but like get easy baskets. Like we don't need to post him up and and have double teams and guys digging on him and expect him to be passing out of the double teams. Like that's not, you're not making him comfortable. And I think when he's able to roll the basket, get some passes, uh, get some easy buckets, I mean, he looks like a totally different player. But RJ was the difference in this game. Um, but on the defensive end, once Carolina got in this, and I, I don't know what, it's a thing in modern basketball. It's like people decide we switch everything and I blame the Warriors for this. But 
I, someone needs to remind these guys, you don't have to switch everything. And, no, and I you felt do like they, not. Good point. That's a really good point. <laughs> and, and I felt like like there was like a dance going on with Kentucky where it's like they get the exact switch that they want. Wagner gets on Davis. And then DJ Wagner's like, well, I can rise up on this guy every single time and get my shot off. And he even had a late in that game, he hit a big shot and he got by Withers. Like he could have gone to his right and had an easy layup. But DJ Wagner was just like, I'm going to get the shot that I want. I'm going to go back to my left and then hit this jumper over Jalen Withers. You know what I mean? Instead of just taking the open layup. So that was the other part defensively that was frustrating for Carolina, too, where it's like, you were just letting Kentucky completely dictate what they wanted and what matchups they were trying to get. And and there was no pressing. What they did at Tennessee by pressing in that game, um, I, I've been waiting for that to happen again. They did a little bit against UConn, but I would love to see that in this game or at least like throw a zone out. You know what I mean? Do something. Like just give Kentucky some other look so they weren't so comfortable on the offensive end. Um, but the way that Wagner, Dillingham, um, you know, Reeves, all these guys kind of closed the game. It was impressive because they're all young guys. So, I mean, that that was my other takeaway defensively. RJ, Cadeau, the size, you know what I mean? When they when they go against bigger guards, it's an issue, uh, you know, especially on that end. Yeah, a couple of things on that. Like, I, I, A, I think this this Kentucky team is going to be extremely hard to zone just because of how good of it. Like, you be, you're playing right into their hands. Like, if, if it's going to be a zone, I think it's going to have to be some kind of, like, oblique approach. Like, it's going to have to be, like, a 1-3-1 one, one or some kind of interesting like, yeah, matchup. Like, like a ma- matchup zone. Yeah, that's that's what I... I wanted them to have a matchup zone where they at least at least just give them a look where they're freshmen and they look at Calipari and they're like, oh, shit, what are they doing? You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's all I wanted, just to at least ruffle some feathers because it just... It felt too comfortable at a certain point. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it'll be hard. Yeah, just because Mitchell is so good in the middle of the floor. But they, I think, the big difference, like we talked about, just is that you know they have more talent, and this kind of segues to um, this kind of this segues to like Cal. Cal obviously have has this. He, you know, he's it's Jay Z got I got my swagger back, definitely kind of thing going on here to to yes. a, to hilarious degrees. Like you know, we were laughing about Cal. You know, the ultimate marketer. He's always on in the post game show. He makes it a point to like tell Rob like I want to talk to your dad. He says that like into the <laughs> microphone where everybody can hear it. It's just like he knows uh, every little thing. Like everything is on purpose. It's not. Yeah, Cal does not like that. That it's known out there that Rob Dillingham's dad wanted him to go to Carolina. So like he he wants to poke the bears as much as he can, which we respect. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but the other thing too, is that, you know, Cal is on the back and forth between Kentucky fans and like the staff has been really funny lately. Cal, Cal got very offended by an article that my good friend Kyle Tucker wrote about Cal, where people were basically talking about his style. They were talking about like, Hey, this is antiquated. This is blah, 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 blah. Um, and you know, think a lot of those things have come full circle lately and have looked better and have, and you know, like, but the thing that's killing me is that Cal has had this kind of added this like air of like, you know, eat your words. You know, you were wrong. <laughs> I was right. When yes. you can't, you know, you can't do that because you literally change everything that was like spelled out, everything that people have complained about. He went and changed, did a total 180. He like went and made a made a focus on getting more perimeter talent on shooting. Um He's playing it. He brought in John Welts. They're playing a different style. You know, yep. there's a lot of stuff from the past still in there, but they're they're just playing differently and their shot profile is totally differently. So to turn around and say, like, eat your words, I was telling somebody, I was like, that would be like if I had some sort of like sobriety issue and everybody was looking at me and they were like, Kyle, man, like you, your life is falling apart. Like you need to reevaluate <laughs> this. And then I went and fixed everything and got sober and like got help and everything. And I turned around and I was like, screw you guys. I was right the whole time. Like, it's just a yeah. weird, like just, 
I, I'm glad he's swaggy. I'm just amused by it, Tate. I'm just amused by Cal. I'm glad he's in a great mood, but, you know, whatever, whatever. Man. Yeah, and he got to do the victory lap uh, after the game, saying North Carolina is a Final Four caliber team. You know what I mean? Like, he gets the, he got to do all the, the, the prodding and, and the propping that he needed to do for, you know, his own team while also trying to give credit to Carolina fans. And then, of course, Carolina fans, we eat that up. You know, we're like, Cal Perry thinks we're a Final Four team. So that's, <laughs> that's the good news. You know what I mean? But in reality, it's just a, a way to prop up the win for Kentucky in general, which I appreciate. Let's talk about the last play because this has been a, a topic of conversation as well. I mean, as much as I'm, you know, kind of being hard on North Carolina, it was a three-point game and they had the basketball in their hands. They take a timeout. It's about 11 seconds left. Hubert Davis, I guess, draws up a play. Um, and then Elliot Cadeau has been sitting for nine minutes. He sat for the last seven minutes in the first half. He comes back into the game and they say, hey, here, freshman, in, in this big stage where you've been struggling with these guards defensively and their defensive ball pressure, let's give you the basketball and say, let's 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 initiate the offense here. And uh, one, I wanted to give credit because he's coming up the court, Cadeau is, and he gets blitzed. So when he sees Kentucky come out to him, he panics. Because he's like, oh, shit. You know what I mean? Like, I, I do not want the ball in my hand right now. I haven't dribbled, you know, in nine minutes of game time. I've been sitting on the bench. I've been frustrated. My head's probably a little bit out of it because I'm a freshman. It'd be one thing if he's like a Nate Britt senior um, that you can put in the game to do this. But this is a true freshman. He gets blitzed. And then as soon as that happens, he just like, instead of picking up his dribble, he, well, he would have picked up his dribble, probably would have traveled, honestly. But he just tries to get rid of the ball real quickly, hits Cormac, who's looking to go set a screen for RJ. This is a play. Shout out to Trevor Marks, who uh, does a great job with Carolina stuff. He's like, this is a play they run all the time. It's a pin down. RJ's going to come around and get the basketball. And RJ can make a decision. Do I drive, get the easy two, or do I take a three if I have the look, right? Um, and he'd been and murdering R Kentucky with that. Like, he'd been absolutely yes. murdering Kentucky in R any kind right. of action. Yeah. Right. And so like great, great setup. This is a play they run. Uh, you got Baycott on the other side, kind of setting a dummy screen, you know, kind of as a decoy um, for Cadeau. But when when Kentucky blitzed the ball there on Cadeau, I mean, that was just I don't know if that was they said when he comes up, blitz him or, or whatever it was. It was I, I think it was Reeves um, that got up there. Maybe it was Wagner. Um, I, but I bet they did that just because in a, in set situations in their basic shell like principles that like it, it was failing. So I th I think what they were thinking was <laughs> right. like let's you know and we know we know we're in we're in this guy's head. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you could see like I mean he was like a deer in the headlights. Like as soon as he saw it coming, he was like, oh, I do not want this basketball. Let me pass it to Cormac. Cormac's looking to go set a screen. Gets hit in the back. RJ, who's coming, you know, from the screen that's getting set, gets to the basketball, ends up being a backcourt violation, game over. And I wish, you know, we talked about Calipari after the game, work in the media. Like, I wish Hubert would go into the post game and say, here's what we were trying to do. Um, it was the exact setup that we wanted. It just didn't work out. It's no fault to Elliot. It's no fault to RJ. It's no fault to Cormac. But instead, he basically was like, uh, no comment on, on the situation. It just was a turnover. Um, and, and not, you know, not controlling I, the narrative, it's well, the yeah, narrative exactly. control you. Yeah. And, and he's been in TV, you know, he's on game day. So like, I think that's the other part for Carolina fans. They're like, we want Hubert to explain what happened, not so that we can figure out who to blame, but so that the wrong guy doesn't get blamed. You know what I mean? And, and to put it in Roy Williams terms, Roy Williams would have said, that's on me. I put my freshman point guard in a bad spot. Um, you know, we 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 drew that up improperly. You know, we shouldn't have done that. Next time we'll be better for it, but the blame is on me. You know, instead of just being like, you you guys, the media wouldn't understand what happened. Um, it was just a turnover. Simple as that. So I think that was the other part where it was like Carolina fans had a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth. 
You guys had a bobbled, uh, there was like a bobbled offensive rebound too off after, was it after huh. a free throw or I'm trying free to throw, like a, yeah. What was the play exactly? With, like Withers like bound. knocked it out of, yeah, out of Baycott's hands basically. Yeah. 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 Uh, I wanted to do also shout out um, just to make sure the, the Edwards, the arrow thing is weird. Like it's, it's weird. Uh, I, I just, I'm a big Thierro guy. I, I tweet out, uh, give me Thierro, give me death. I think that should be an NIL deal for Thierro. Yes. Print that shirt up. I would wear it. Absolutely. Uh, the dude's a maniac. He has no regard for his safety or, uh, you know, he'll he'll just like fly up in the air and like he, the guy could be like a stunt actor, I feel like, in the future. Um, but he's just throwing his weight around. He, you know, had a few blocks in this game that were nice. Um, the Edwards thing continues to just be strange. You know, I talked to some people who were saying that like the – um that there was some conversation about how he was used in high school. They would play him as a big sometimes so that he could get some leverage because you see him like struggling to get, he'll, he'll just take shot. He hit a couple like pin downs to his Cal was talking about there getting pin downs, to getting him going to his left. You just, you kind of know somebody's in a funk when you're trying to really, you want to put guys in advantageous situations, but this is like, you can't get anything going. We're trying to you're get going out of your way. This, yeah, they're yeah. going out of their way to try to get him involved in the game. Yes, they're they're doing a lot to try to be like he's supposed to be our primary guy. But he just I mean, I can't believe like if you told me just watching the game that that guy is the number was the number one pick on a lot of draft boards. I mean, it's it does not translate. You know, the eye test does not translate. And, and maybe that is just not being in advantageous situations. But right now, he did, he did not look the part. I mean, there's a lot of guys on that Kentucky team that look like. NBA guys that that are first round lottery picks, you know, there's probably about two or three guys and he might not be one of them right now for me. So, I mean, that that was the other interesting part. Yeah, you t- you talked about Cormick getting those open shots. Those were all like directly tied to Edwards. Edwards went yeah. under multiple times like in the same sequence and it was just like, "Wait, well, uh, you got to you got to be thinking, you know, differently, you know." Uh, and uh I don't know. The finishing's just not quite there. And maybe maybe the ranking in the preseason was just a matter of, like, we don't know who the guy is. We're looking for prototypical tools. We see a big wing, supposedly 6'8". I don't know. But, like, he, he, you know, he's big and long and sinewy and has the he's got that kind of flexible body. And you think, well, that, guy's, that guy could be a star. He looks like a perimeter star. But it's just kind of like he's not able to create a lot of leverage. I wonder if his hands are small. Like, he gets pinned by the rim a lot. I made that point on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um Overall, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, Kentucky's obviously got got the Louisville game coming up this week, which I'm going to be going to that one, uh, not as media, so that'll be fun. Nice. So I'll, I'll get to enjoy myself. And then, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, I, I feel like, do you, are you feeling like, you got, you said you guys got like a get right sort of period coming up. I, I, I feel like you guys could win until, what's the next game that you think that like, they'll probably drop? I mean, wh- how are you feeling about UNC? I mean, Oklahoma on Wednesday night is Oklahoma's undefeated. They're in the Jumpman Classic. That should be a game. Oklahoma has, I mean, it's a neutral game, but this is not a true road game, but I don't even know if they played a true road game yet. So I just think like they're number nine in the net. Um, I don't know what Oklahoma is in Kimpom, probably like, you know, 17, somewhere in that range. But if you win that game against Oklahoma, they're undefeated. You kind of get the PR back. I mean, they had UConn, they had Kentucky, and they had Oklahoma, right, in December coming off the Tennessee game. And I said, if they could go two and one, that would be amazing. Now you're talking about Carolina in the top seed conversation. Well, obviously they've dropped the first two of those games. So now you have to win, um, you know, this Oklahoma game, I feel like, to just kind of keep everybody engaged with this team. But I like this team. I really do. I, I, I think they are different than last year. I, I think that they have more toughness. They fought in this game. They played, I mean, they played some ugly, dumb basketball at times in this game, but they still were able to fight through it. Last year, they just would have, 
they would have packed it in. And in 2021, when they played, they packed it in and got absolutely blown out. So I was mm. impressed that they showed some fight and some toughness. So um, Wednesday will be big, and and it is the Jumpman Invitational. So Michael Jordan, um, you know, work your work your magic there, make something happen. That's what we need. Yeah, I was going to ask you: is has the scheduling this year just been better? Am I crazy? Yeah. Like it, it seems like. It just seems like the t- among the teams at the top, the Yukons, the Purdue's, the Arizonas, I just feel like we've had some really awesome non-con games. You know, uh, maybe the stars have aligned in the classics or whatever, but like, I just feel like it, we've had a really, really good um, slate of, of like, you know, teams at the top. Like, I just feel like the top of the crop, the, the teams that had something to prove haven't backed away from it at all. The Purdue's, the Yukons, like I said, um, it, I've, I've been really pleased. I, I don't know if it's me or if it's... or or if it's like this every year, but it's definitely felt like it. I mean, shout out to Gonzaga. I feel like Mark Few doesn't get enough credit because Gonzaga was one of those teams that would be like, we'll go play you wherever, right? And and I feel like UConn has kind of had that same outlook. Dan Hurley's like, you tell us where and when and we'll be there. Um, I think Carolina and Kansas doing a home and home is great starting next year. Um, I like Duke going to Bud Walton Arena. Shout out to John Shire. You know, I don't say many nice things about Duke, but that was a, I thought that was really cool that Duke went and played there. Um, so I just think in general, it's good PR to schedule those home and home games. And I know Kentucky Kentucky and Carolina had the CBS Classic deal, but I would love Carolina and Rupp Arena. You know what I mean? I would love Kentucky and the Dean Dome. I, I just feel like it has so much more of an impact. And, you know, for an example of this, and then we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about the other games that happened. But that Tennessee State game in San Antonio, you know what I mean? I'm just like, if this game was in, you know, Tennessee, right? Was, was like, and we got to see Knoxville fans against NC State fans, or it was in Raleigh at the PNC Center, and we got to see that matchup, like that game would just had so much more gravitas than being in an empty gym in San Antonio, and there's like eight fans there. You know what I mean? So even these neutral games, I, I just want to get back to, let's just play on campus, and and then these games will, they'll feel even bigger than they are, and, and we'll all be happy, but I, I love that everyone's trying to schedule each other. I love that, you know, by December, we have all these big games that have happened, and we kind of have a lay of the land. Like, you kind of know who these teams are, you know? You kind of know who the top four teams are right now that can win the championship, and then you can fill in, you know, who you think the next six or seven are that could actually win the title based on, you know, guys that are coming back, injuries, whatever it may be. So it's been a good year so far. I love it. Yeah, I I, I think you're right about like the lay of the land point is really good. That Like I feel like in the first few weeks of the season, we were like, we had so, some of the sort of upward punchers that we, that have been kind of struggling, you know, Miami been struggling. I feel like Kentucky yep. and Marquette are both kind of in that category too of like perimeter-based teams. But then we have these teams that have sort of the rippling from inside out sort of, uh, you know, they're solid. Like you're looking at like the Purdue's and the Yukons. Um, I think, uh, I know I mentioned them with the scheduling, but I think it's true in terms of the land landscape too that I think those teams have uh I don't know if you want to talk about the Purdue Arizona game in more specifics but I I feel like and you and I've talked about it like I, I kind of feel like for me right now I feel like title's probably going to come from one of those two teams that like that's just my read of on it right now like those two teams seem the most likely but in terms of the lay of the land that's kind of where my head is at after everything is after everything that we've seen so far yeah, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk the good, the bad, the ugly, and then we're going to talk Arizona, Purdue, Memphis, UConn, Gonzaga, and a few shout-outs. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, you want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, 
Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. We're back. We're talking uh, other games outside of our own purview. Uh, obviously, we if you really love Kentucky and Carolina, you enjoyed that first half. Um, you know, we could talk about that ad nauseum all day, every day. But um, shout out to both those teams. Let's talk about the biggest game this weekend. It actually happened on Peacock, which was, uh, I feel like, its own story in and of itself. But we got Arizona-Purdue, Arizona number one team in the country. Um, their big win in Cameron Indoor doesn't look as great as it did at the time. Um, they did blow out Wisconsin, which was a big win. But in reality, we were waiting to see this Arizona team get tested and they got tested by the team that's been the most tested in the country when you talk about the Purdue bowling makers and uh, the backcourt for Purdue was incredible so incredible that after the game Matt Painter was talking about how everybody recruits athletes but he recruits basketball players and uh, Braden Smith Fletcher Lawyer this was their game to kind of send a message to the rest of the world that hey we're good enough to win a national championship first off did you have a Peacock account were you able to watch this game and two what were your thoughts um, you know sort of the ripple effect of what happened in this game uh i'm trying to remember the times that i have been pushed to sign up for peacock i'm trying to think like i, I think i got like <laughs> a Olympics. wild hair and what it, it was like right. you know we have a we have a, a tradition at christmas of like watching all the office christmas episodes so i think probably yeah. last december or something i probably signed up for it um other than that i mean not really like uh, i i haven't uh it took i didn't even like I texted you. I forgot that that game was yesterday because I had to I had to take a quick trip to to Indianapolis on Saturday morning. And uh, at the place I was picking it up, it was just like Purdue fans were everywhere, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like uh, so. And I and that was when I, you know, I had the Eureka. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That game's going on that day. Um, other like. No, I mean, to answer your question, I mean, do, do you, are, you, are you a Peacock guy? I don't, that's not on my list of subscriptions that that I keep up with unless I just forget about it. That's the only way well, Peacock stays around. 
Yeah, luckily for me, my girlfriend is an office like superhead. Like she watches like the office super fan episodes, which are like the extended cut of the episodes, which actually are interesting because it's like a totally different episode. Like if you watch the original and you watch the super fan, you're like, wow, there's some stuff in here that I didn't even realize like that was a whole other subplot of the series. You know what I mean? So I have Peacock. I had this game. I was watching, you know, Peacock on my phone uh, of this game. Caleb Love was incredible in this game. One of the best Caleb Love games I've seen. So shout out to Caleb. Um, 29 points, six rebounds, three assists in this one. Um, but it really was like a produced story. And Zach Eady, as much as, you know, he's been maligned for um, getting pulled out to the perimeter and not being able to move his feet. I thought he did a really good job defensively in this game and kind of quelled some of those notions that he was going to get exposed. You know, like anytime Purdue wins a game, all the comments are like, wait till March when they get exposed. You know what I mean? That's just the world that we live in. The haters, they're everywhere. Um, but I think that ED kind of quelled some of those issues. I think Braden Smith was great in this game. I think he's one of the best point guards in the country. And when Fletcher Lawyer's hot, it really is scary. You know what I mean? And I, and I think like he's the wild card X factor, whatever you want to call it on that team. When he's hot from three, they're pretty unstoppable. And, and when he can be their third scorer and, you know, he has 27 points in this game, it takes Purdue to a different level. And I, I was in my own mind after I watched UConn play Gonzaga. Um, I pretty much was like, UConn is going to win the national championship unless they have an injury because Donovan Klingon looks healthy again. Um, I think Caravan is a really solid player, especially defensively. I don't think people talk about his defense enough. Um, Tristan Newton should be up there for national player of the year as far as that conversation. They just kind of check all those boxes. And I still think that they have guys on their bench that are going to be better. Jalen Stewart, Castle. I mean, there, there's pieces on UConn. But right now, I mean, Purdue, it's hard to argue just on the resume that they should be number one and they should be, you know, the, the quote unquote favorites to win the national championship. So that was the big takeaway of the weekend. It's like now we have this argument. It's like Connecticut fans will bite your head off if you say they're not the favorites. Purdue fans are saying you're disrespecting us. We have the national player of the year. We have this great backcourt. We looked the part. Look at our resume. Look who we beat. You know, we won the best Maui Invitational of all time. So I feel like the conversation now is like, these two teams, and you can fall in line with whichever one you want to set you know, saddle up with. I'd probably saddle up with the team that already won the national championship, and I saw them beat everybody by double digits. But Purdue's hard to argue against, and, and I think beating Arizona the way that they did um, kind of send that message to everybody um, that's watching games this year that they're the real deal. I, I, I'm not as worried about Purdue as I was going into the season, so that that's kudos to them. It's interesting that, like... Um, UConn and you know or UConn and Purdue in particular that you know Purdue, Purdue sort of like bolstered some of their their pieces from last year uh, and tried to reinforce it to sort of like reiterate what they had before and improve on it whereas yeah. UConn has swapped out like significant pieces I mean you know Sonogo not being there they basically swapped out their main triumvirate you know that the, that the team was built around on both sides of the ball you got you know Jordan Hawkins who's who's been killing it in the in the NBA uh, with the Pelicans but you know they had his movement shoot and then you had, um, obviously, you had Andre Jackson, who's been getting more run with the Bucks now too. But then they've just kind of swapped in new pieces. And you talked about Tristan Newton. I've been, I, I'm going to be thinking more seriously about him as an NBA player. But on the uh, on the other side of it, comparing it to Purdue, it, I, I just feel like to go along with like the T-shirt thing <laughs> that I said a minute ago, Purdue's T-shirt should be they should make like a they should make make like a band T-shirt, like a faux band T-shirt with like. Mm -hmm. an illustration of the team and then on the back of it it should just be the stfu world tour basically because that's kind of <laughs> yeah, what right. they're doing this season yeah I feel, I feel and it should have it should have all the all the dates should be the different games because they've kind of just been going through and answer answering these challenges but it, in the flow of this game 
I think it's curious that both teams, it was a very starting five heavy game. You know, yes. Purdue only got four or uh, yeah, four points from their, from their from their bench with Caleb first and Mason Gillis. And then, uh, you know, Arizona only got two points, if I'm not mistaken. So they normally get more bench bench production than this. But you got a lot of, you know, you, you mentioned how, you know, um, what was Kashad Johnson and Caleb, Caleb Love combined for a lot of points there. And then uh, the the trio of Fletcher Lawyer, Braden Smith and, and Zach Eady went wild, but I thought, you know, this game was close in the first half. You know, it was 26 to 26 at about the 652 minute mark. I said that as if I had it off the top of my head. I had it written down here just for anybody who thought I, I could do. That'd be a hell of a skill if you could like <laughs> log it in your mind. Bill, like that. Bill, Bill does some of that sometimes where he's like Rain Man. Well, he'll be like, yeah, it was about 37 seconds left to go. It was 86, <laughs> game five. You're like, what the hell? Like, you remember the clock? <laughs> there, there's Tate's no comment. Bill Tate, the only person allowed to do the Bill impression. No, it, I mean, it's, it, it's it honestly would blow my mind. Like, I, I mean, Kyle, Kyle can attest to this. Sometimes you'll be sitting there and you're like, what the hell did he just pull? He just pulled that like he has no notes in front of him. Like, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. Uh, they, but they dumped it into. I I thought I saw the game kind of shift, and you, and you compare that to like the offensive kind of struggle that doesn't happen with Baycott. That I think will eventually. I'm all about comparing teams today. What a wild yeah, idea yeah. on college basketball. No, I, like, I guess, but I like they. Uh, you know, Harrison Ingram is the guy that I feel like eventually could shift for UNC. I'm not going to shift it back to them, but like for Purdue. Um, the game shifted there. I thought there were there was a post touch at about six minutes where Edie got it in and scores over Ballo. Next time down, Arizona obviously is like, oh shit, this is a problem. They they you know they aggressively give help on on the Edie post up as teams do. But the the difference is Lawyer cashed a three and then he cashed one you know a possession later and you saw sort of the then you're in trouble. You know if they're mm-hmm. if the Purdue guards are playing well if they're hitting shots and Edie is doing his things and that's just the basic kind of like one or the other gravitational pull that's really hard to deal with. Um, and, the, and the difference is Edie was scoring, whereas like Baycott was not. But uh, overall, I think Arizona will do better than they showed today. I think that that bench factor is, is a thing. But um, yeah, credit credit to Purdue, man. Uh, they, they, they've been answering all the challenges. And I feel like Arizona, this team, this is the first time that they realized there's levels to it, you know, and I feel like they were kind of cruising at this altitude where they're like, wow, we're better than everybody. This is awesome. Like, what a great year. We're tough. You know, we're tenacious. We're beating the shit out of everybody. Like, we're awesome. And I think Purdue, this was the nice, like, little sliver, not a slice, but a sliver of humble pie, you know, for this team. Like, they did compete. Purdue had these, they still had these scoring lulls, uh, Purdue, which do concern you a little bit. And, you know, they didn't shoot great from the free throw line in this game, which is also concerning when you talk about March, but um, Arizona, I feel like this is the kind of game where now they know what the what the top top looks like, and now they can, you know, course correct accordingly and figured it out. So we, we talked about UConn, Purdue kind of being the one, you know, 1A, 1B, whatever you want to call it. Kansas is probably the 1C, um, you know, or, you know, 1, 2, and 3. If you, you know, we're trying to be nice, so we'll say 1C, but Kansas, they play Indiana, which is a game that should be, I mean, that, that should be like Kentucky, Carolina, conversation level and I think in in some places it was but I felt like that game kind of snuck up on me in the morning uh you know of the day I'm I'm watching Kansas play in Assembly Hall Indiana looked incredible this is the best game Trey Galloway will ever play in his life he was he was awesome in this game um he did literally everything that he could in this game cups uh he had a good game just didn't score as much as they probably needed to um I think he ended up with just maybe four points two points whatever it was 
Um, but it, it did feel like Indiana was on the verge of a signature win for the season, like a Mike Woodson win that would get the entire fan base galvanized and together, and it was all going to happen. And then Kansas just figures out a way to win these games. And, and I just wanted to, you know, give them their credit as well because, um, you know, as much as I'm enamored with UConn and Purdue, it's just like Kansas did beat UConn. So we have to remember that even though UConn wasn't 100% in that game and they did fight back in the second half. So Kansas has to get their own level of like, man, when Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller uh, and KJ Adams, those three for me, like they, one, they're all three very likable players and three, when they're on, it's really hard to deal with. And then they have this ultimate, you know, X factor in Hunter Dickinson where, in this game, he was kind of out of it. And then all of a sudden, he's just hitting these little easy turnaround, left-handed, you know, little hook shots where he just looks like he just throws it in the back of the basket, right? And then he's shot, going man. to the crowd, you know, to get loud and everything. And you're like, oh, my God, it's headline Hunter. He's back. You know what I mean? So <laughs> Kansas is also scary. And the fact that they won that game in Assembly Hall was very, very impressive. And, and I just wanted to make sure we give them their credit because it is hard for a blue blood to go up there. As Calipari knows, as North Carolina knows, they've been blown out multiple times in Assembly Hall. I remember the Cody Zeller game very well. Um, happened a couple years ago. They were ago not last blown year. out in that game, Tate. I'll have you know. God, don't well, even. You guys, <laughs> you guys weren't blown out. North Carolina was blown out last oh, okay. year and and in the uh, the Cody Zeller game. So the past two times I can think of in Assembly Hall, Carolina has gotten absolutely obliterated. So I, I know how hard it is to win there when you are a blue blood because that those fans are absolutely locked in. And we got the crowd shot of the century, the upset Indiana girl. I mean, I felt so bad for her. There was like a pain in my heart. Because, like, I, Indiana, I do have a soft spot for just because they're such a basketball school and I love basketball schools. But, like, to see a, a victory just get kind of ripped away from them in real time, um, I felt bad for the Hoosiers. So, uh, shout out to Kansas, though. They're a really good basketball team. So, I feel like they need to be in that conversation. Those three teams are really at the top. And then Houston's probably the fourth team to be in that conversation. But I, I'm still not all the way there. on I like Houston, but I'm not all the way there with like I am with those three teams. It's the belief that kills you, man. It's the that's that's the thing. When when you when you're so close to having the the we are so back, you know, moment. That's those are the ones that sting the worst. Uh, and yes. you know, the Kansas goes into that game. Assembly Hall is awesome, by the way. I don't I don't know if you've it's been great. on the like being on the floor in that gym. I was lucky enough to go to get on the floor and shoot around a little bit randomly, just with some friends I was with. But um, yeah, that that's an incredible gym. And when it's rowdy in there, man, I mean, that is a, just acoustically a loud building. Uh, but you go in there and, you know, Dickinson, you know, a guy who uh, very familiar with that with that building having <laughs> yes. been there, you know, in he was another. very happy to be there. He, he was like, I feel like <laughs> he's like, I get to antagonize the people I want to antagonize. <laughs> yeah, I'm pissing off people in the Midwest. You know, I feel <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm at home. Uh, you know, Hunter, I can I can identify. No, uh, but like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like Kansas is one of those teams that's just kind of they're going to kind of cruise to the to the side of the frame, and we're going to be having all these conversations about these teams that we're so sure you know it reminds, it's the the men in black thing. It's like uh, you know think about what you'll know tomorrow. You know it's like we're so sure that we know uh, that, that these two you know UConn and and uh, and Purdue are the top dogs, and it's just like Kansas we're counting them out, and you you know I just feel like they're going to kind of seize the opportunity if they're if they're one of those teams that's just kind of around in the tournament i can just imagine the dread that you and i are going to feel when we're just like god kansas you know when that when that feeling washes over you where like the path is opened up for kansas they have the experience and i feel like they're they're built to sort of seize that moment if if and when it does happen 
And we did not see Bill Self coach this team last year in the tournament. And I do think, I mean, this is no shot to the coaching staff without Bill Self, but I do think that that game, they win last year that they lost. So, I mean, I think there is a level where, and Dewan Harris has this weird ability to be completely, like he doesn't even look at the basket, right? For for the first, you know, 30 minutes of the game, don't even look at the basket. And then when it gets into crunch time and it's like, Kansas just needs a bucket here. It's like all of a sudden, Dewan Harris is hitting like a step back, a little jumper. And you're like, wait a second, this guy, this guy has this the entire time that he could do. It's like this weird wrinkle where if he scores double digits, I feel like you're going to lose to, to, you know, Kansas. So um, yeah, they're, they're a fascinating team. Shout out to Bill Self. He's a, uh, He's the ultimate Adidas bad guy, and uh, they win the Adidas war against Indiana. They stay the top dog. Adidas, you're number two, or uh, Indiana, you're number two. Adidas is number one is uh, Kansas, of, of course. So we know that. Um, let's do some uh, good, bag and ugly quickly. Uh, the good is Andy Infield. Um, USC is 5-5 five and five right now. They're a preseason top 25. They play Auburn. Bruce Pearl's Auburn team just beats the brakes off of them. Shout out to Aiden Holloway. Um, and shout out to Auburn in general. This is a this is an interesting team, a talented team. You know, kind of the same rata that we've seen with Bruce Pearl for quite some time. When he's you know whether it be Tennessee or Auburn, whoever it is, we know what his teams are like. Um, but Bronny James five points in this game. Are we worried about Andy Enfield's job security? Because I feel like I'm reading the USC like they post the score. You know, you always can get a, a temperature check by reading the reactions, and they're calling for our guy's head. And and Andy Enfield is a good guy. I'm a big fan of Andy Enfield. I think he's like the perfect coach for USC. But these, I mentioned it before, you get in the stands, you, you get the brawny LeBron crowd after your neck and things can go sideways quickly. Are we worried about USC? Do we think that they have like an ability to kind of turn the corner or is this just kind of who they are? Does this kind of remind you of like Mark Gottfried and like Alabama basketball a little bit? You know, it's like I'm not saying they're, they're, they're uh, the bad guy comparison. We can that's a whole other conversation. But it, it reminds me of a school that historically has had talent here and there. They're not historically a basketball school, but like, you know, I mean, I my mind goes back to there was an incredible USC that put Kentucky out in 2001 that had Scalabrini and, you know, Brandon Granville and all those. And Jeff Trapagnier, that's another great name. Yeah, for right. Anyway, but um, you're just looking at them historically and you're like, okay, compare, comparing them to like that Bama run where they had all that talent and they find ways to get the talent in. But it's always like the expectations, even if you don't have a precedent of, of winning, even if you don't have the standard that's high, once you give people like, a taste of it, they suddenly, you know, their their expectations change. And that's what we're observing with infield. And it's kind of like you would think that they would just be, if you look at the the build of the roster, if you look at the way it's been early on in the season, that Bronny hasn't been there, that you've got these guards that fit together oddly, you're really waiting for the synergy of those three guards to kind of click into the into place. And you see that happen sometimes, but like you'd think they'd be a little more patient, honestly, I guess is my point. But it's odd to me. I was observing the same kind of thing as you were. It's like there are people I feel like that are looking at him sort of like the way the Suns treated like Monty Williams, where they were like, OK, mm-hmm. this guy did a lot for us. <laughs> We've elevated. And they're assuming that, you know, that this is a jumping off point. I think that's a really dangerous thing to assume when you're a program with no history like that, you know? 
Yeah, right. And like USC, I mean, you know, you had George Raveling, uh, you know, there at one point, and then you know, you 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 recruit Hank Gathers, but they ended up transferring to L- like. There's been these moments where USC basketball was like right on the the verge of like taking that next step. I mean, when they beat KD, right, Nick Young, and all those guys, and they win in that tournament, that was like, uh, oh man, watch out for Todd Gibson and and USC. They're they're going to be dangerous, and we'll see what happens. You know, I just feel like every single time USC is right on the verge, you know, something goes a little awry, and I hope they don't jump off infield because. Bronny's only going to be there for three more months at this point. You know what I mean? So it's just like, just survive this season. Uh, Isaiah Collier, it's fun to have him in the building, but like, don't don't jump to conclusions because Evan Mobley, Isaiah Mobley, having the Mobley family be attached to the program and their respect for Andy Infield, like there's good momentum there in the program. And I think there is some continuity there. And I think Andy's kind of the perfect guy because he's okay to be off to the side. I mean, they are a football school. They care about USC football. They want the, the resources to go to USC football. And Andy Infield's like, great, you know, just leave me alone. Let me be over here and let me, you know, just do my thing. So uh, don't freak out, USC basketball fans. Um, and don't let the the Bronny, um, I don't know, campaign, I guess, to, to, to get rid of Andy Infield and bring in I don't even know who they would bring in. You know what I mean? And who, and who would they bring in that's going to shore up this roster and make them an actual contender? I don't think anybody could do that. So leave it alone. Good guy of the week, Andy Enfield. Bad guy of the week. Um, if you didn't see it, McNeese uh, used to be McNeese State. They were trying to pull the the Memphis Tigers uh, where they dropped the state, and now they're just McNeese. But uh, shout out to Joe Dumars, legendary player there. Uh, Will Wade beat Louisiana, formerly Louisiana Lafayette, and he said you can add the extra L back um, because McNeese won this game. And Will Wade walked off the court to Gangster's Paradise uh, playing. And, 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 you know, some of the photos coming out of it were incredible. He is the bad guy of the week, in case you missed it. He also, before this game, absolutely eviscerated the NCAA. Talked about them filing for antitrust exemptions. Talked about why all their rules are stupid. Talked about how they're going to keep getting beat in court and that the kids are always going to win. Um, and it was like, it, it's the classic onion, like the worst person, you know, made a great point meme. You know what I mean? That was literally Will Wade talking about the NCAA because he is absolutely correct in everything he's saying. But I, I just laugh because Will Wade, it, it, he is, he is like literally creating like a whole movement right now. And it is happening at McNeese State of all places. So uh, shout out to Will Wade, bad guy of the week. Did you see any of this propaganda coming out of McNeese State? And did you see any of the Willie the Kid stuff? Because it was hilarious. Oh, yeah. this The social presence this weekend from McNeese was really, really <laughs> awesome. I was enjoying all that. You, you talk about like, you know, Cal telling people to eat their words. The bad guy's have had the ultimate eat your words tour like in the past couple of years. Like, yes. you know, it's like we've joked about this a lot that like the framing of the like, oh man, how shameful these kids were given money and they were given accommodations. And you, when you start to take a step back and look at it, you know, you're joking about the onion thing, but it's like, yeah, how horrible. Like I, I, I think back <laughs> about like, um, you know, Donnie Tyndall at Moorhead State who like moved on to coach Tennessee and then got in trouble for like helping a kid get an apartment. It's just like, take a second and like sober up and think about what we're saying here. It's like, it's bad that he helped a kid get an apartment. It's bad that they helped this family with some money. It's just like, in a way, like, well, wait, is right. Like it, it is, it's like, it right. is, it's comical. It's, it's the only, it's such a hypocritical 
hilariously just stupid like moralism that's imposed on the people people who are i guess steering the ship or from another era they're they're from an era where like maybe the tv money wasn't involved or maybe uh, the shoe money wasn't involved and they're just thinking dear old alma mater you know you need to you need to just do duty to your school and there's integrity and waiting your turn and yeah. stuff like that for the it's love of the like, game right yeah so yeah, I, I I find it all hilarious. You know, McNeese is ten and two. They're forty eighth in the net. We love the net on this show. Love we love all analytic driven <laughs> conversations. Um, they're doing well. They got Michigan coming up. Another what? Like if Will Wade beats Michigan, yes, they should hire the Will scene? Wade. What's the scene? <laughs> What's the scene? <laughs> Will Wade needs a podcast, I think, obviously. I know we're, yes. we're cutting back on pod spending. You know, I'll, I'll send an email <laughs> to Daniel Eck. I'll put in a good word. But, you know, um, Will, Will Wade needs a podcast where he just rails on the NCAA. I'd listen every week. Yeah, they apparently made T-shirts uh, that are receipt. It's like a, the T-shirt is a receipt. And uh, it's like a Will Wade McNeese T-shirt. And like it has a quote from me on the T-shirt basically being like, this is the end of Will Wade as we know it. And uh, shout out to the guys that made the T-shirt. It is a um, quote from you? Yes, it's a quote from me. It's like what? It's like a headline from How do you uh, not have Tate. one? Uh, I need to get the shirt. I just I keep having people tweet it at me uh, as if I'm not a Will Wade fan. You know what I mean? If anything, like Will Wade is great content. Um, we would love to have Will Wade on the show. I thought he did an amazing job just absolutely going after the NCAA. And and he really did it very eloquently. And he is locked in and more locked in than, than ever. And at the end of the day, the person that put Will Wade on is Oliver Purnell at Clemson. And Oliver Purnell is one of my favorite coaches. Um, so I, there are like, and Shaka Smart's one of my favorite coaches who also put him on at VCU. Like there are people that are in Will Wade's world that I am a fan of, and I am a fan of Will Wade, and I feel like it's gotten misconstrued at a certain level. Just because you're a bad guy doesn't mean I don't like you. In fact, it might mean I love you because um, you're not afraid to play the game, and the game is stupid, and, and that's what it, the reality is. It's all coming out now. As it gets into the judicial system and the courts are making decisions, they're like, wait a second, these are the rules that you guys made up? And it's almost like, yes, can you please help us? And they're like, no, because this is dumb. <laughs> this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. It's like going, to, yeah, it's like two siblings like going to 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 a parent and being like, hey, man, man, man. it's just like, I, I just feel like the reality is kind of like setting in on some of the like idiocy of this, you know, of like the, uh, the like just, just watching this stuff get like struck down is really hysterical. I mean, it, it's, it's an adjustment. I mean, it's a, an adjustment from what, you know, me selfishly, I'd like to see, you know, I, we're, we're too far. Like, it is what it is. Like, we yeah. are where we are. You know what I mean? Like, the FBI, that whole fumbling of that situation was really the end. That that was the 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 death nail in this whole uh, moralistic argument, right? I mean, now, now we're at the point where it's like, it's out there. We're in the wild, wild west. Let's try to clean up the west. You know what I mean? Let's, let's try to get this all figured out as best we can so that we have the most fair competition possible and also the most fair compensation um, set up possible. I mean, he was even talking about collective bargaining agreements. Um, we've got Chip Kelly after the UCLA bowl win talking about they need a commissioner in college football and the college football could go independent, should go independent. I think that's a very fair point. Um, I just, the conversation we've been having for a long time, decade at this point, and it just feels like we need decisions that are actually enacted that, that make the changes. And if we don't, actually enact those changes, then we're going to have 
um, even more headaches. So uh, shout out to Will Wade fighting the good fight um, as a bad guy. So we love to see that. Uh, we've done the good. We've done the bad. Let's do the ugly. They released the tapes of the North Dakota State 94 point win over Oak Hills Christian. Um, this came out a couple of days ago. If you did not see the highlights, I, I <laughs> advise you to go check them out. I'm watching them currently. I'm looking at on my phone just just watching them as they wash over me. Um, this was the most ridiculous thing basketball wise I have seen in quite some time. This looks like your local YMCA team playing a D1 team. And some of the shots that they were taking, boy, do I love the confidence. But I've never seen so many air balls and bricks in my life. Kyle, man, what did you think when you saw the Oak Hills Christian um, highlight tape? Because it was hilarious. Uh, if you do watch it, I would I would recommend people like have like one of those eye wash stations that they have at like workplaces, you know, where you can make sure you rinse your eyes out. Like if you're if you're like a you hate bad basketball, you know, I had somebody tell me that like, um, well, it, it was bad. I mean, it was horrible. Like it makes it make it reminds me of like I won't say the name of the school, but in high school we weren't very good, but we used to play this like academic high school and it would be kids that had on like Chuck Taylors and like it was just like it was it was the only team that we could like blow out you know and yeah, like yeah, yeah. I remember right. we played them it was brown in Louisville I have to say it okay it was brown it's an <laughs> academic it was a dork school and we would beat sorry them. brown but like um that's just kind of it just it makes you wonder what's what's being accomplished here like you know I, in North Dakota doesn't really I don't know if there's like a handshake like I'm from here that I'm gonna you know throw a bone to a school that I like um it's I'm sure a payday for Oak Hills uh the the you know, it, I also had a conversation with my father-in-law this weekend who like does the broadcast for Moorhead State. And he said that they played, a, had a very similar situation where they played an NAI school called St. Mary's of the Woods, uh, which I had never heard of. They're the, fighting, the Woods. They're, they're the Pomeroys, Tate. Have you, I didn't realize that. So didn't you're instantly you're predisposed <laughs> to hate them. But he was telling me a similar story. He was like, I don't know what we get out of this. He was like, our players were, I actually think it could be harmful. It could like, you like, I just don't know what the point of this is. What's going on? You know, we talked about the scheduling at the top. Is this, are we just, is, are we, are we just noticing it because of these outcomes? Like what, what is happening here? Cause you know, you had the James Madison thing that we talked about. I'm just curious what the hell's going on with the scheduling here, man. Well, I made a joke a couple of weeks ago and some guy got mad at me on Twitter. He's like, are you kidding me? You think that a D3 school counts towards the net? And it's like, it doesn't count towards the net, but that would be the only explanation that you're like just trying to blow out a bad team to help your net ranking, right? But uh, this just feels like, one, you're paying, like how much did Oak Hills Christian get paid to play this game? Because it obviously w was not enough. I mean, they, they should have made more money to go embarrass themselves like this. And I mean, some of the highlights, like there's a moment where the, the big guy on the team, he like, he spins baseline and he's underneath the the backboard and he just shoots it straight into the bottom of the backboard and just bounces back down and leads to like a, a dunk on the other end. You got a guy on this team who's got a Kyle, Kyle guy like early on man bun who's like taking like fadeaway corner threes like he's Steph Curry and it's just like not even close to the basket. Number one on this team. I mean, this guy, I, I we need him on the show, the confidence that he had. I mean, he's just jacking up shots from all over the place. I don't know what the benefit is. I, I mean, you're also paying money for these teams to come. Maybe it helps the confidence of your team, but I think your father-in-law is right. Like, there there really is no upside because if anything, like, we want to play good teams that make us better. We don't want to play bad teams that have bad habits that make us have bad habits. You know what I mean? It could be infectious at some level. But again, if you have not watched the highlight uh, package of this of this game, thank I, God to whoever put, it, whoever put it out because it is hilarious. I mean, it is free I feel, comedy. 
Honestly, I'm not. I know everybody's probably going to be like, "Oh, shut up!" But I, I, I feel bad for the kid. Like it's, it's given embarrassing attention to these kids that like they wouldn't have probably gotten otherwise. Because if this team was like minding their own business, you know, it's just kind of. I, I yeah. guess you could have a good attitude about it and just be like, "Oh, you know, laugh it off." But like, you know, these kids are never going to have attention like that probably on social media. But it's well, just kind of it's lose, my, lose, lose everywhere around. Everybody's making losing, money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we don't want to be money. mean. We don't want to be mean to the kids, but I do think like the confidence of the shots that they were taking makes me think that they're in on the bit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like yeah. they, 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 there's no way that they, I think they were just like, let's go out there and just like have some fun. You know what I mean? Like, because this looks like, uh, I mean, I, I don't even know what it looks like. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it before, but my favorite status FGAs, anybody that can get shots off, I respect. So like, number one, he definitely led the team in FGAs. So um, it's not, it's not about the makes, it's about the takes. So, uh, the, the guy got his takes up. He got his shots up. That's a skill. It's a skill to get shots up. Not everybody can get shots up. So, um, that's the one silver lining. They did get a lot of shots up. They just didn't did you guys in. do any research on this school. I just did a little bit. It seems that they have between 80 and a hundred undergrad students. Uh, I don't know. And then their athletics page, it says they've got women's <laughs> basketball, women's cross country, women's volleyball men's cross country, men's soccer, and men's basketball. Does that even add up to 100 people? Like, is that more than 100 people for all those teams? So the whole, double the whole, dipping. <laughs> there's double right. dipping going on. <laughs> yeah, there's guys that are on multiple teams. Like, he's on the cross country team. He's on the basketball team. He's on the soccer team. It's like high school when you play three seasons. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's how they got going. I mean, where is Oak Hills, Kyle? Does it say? Like, where where uh, is it located? Benji, I have no idea. Minnesota or, or North Dakota? Benji, somewhere that they're... Their uh their motto is North pack Th- pursuing Christ academic excellence championship oriented kingdom focused. Wow, so, I mean they're focused on the kingdom. They really can't be focused on basketball games. Yes, for an audience of one. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, shout out to them. Um, and uh, shout out to the. I mean, if you're the pack two right now, maybe that's the team you bring in. You know what I mean? If you're Washington State, like they obviously care about the pack. Um, different kind of pack, but same sort of, uh, you know, philosophies, I guess, at some level. So, uh, shout out to them. Shout out to North Dakota. Um. They got some, got some, got some colleges out there that I I didn't even know. <laughs> Sorry, it's Minnesota. Sorry, it's Minnesota. Oh, it, it's Minnesota. Okay, yeah, speaking of Minnesota, shout Benjamin out to the Tommies, St. Thomas, uh, who's also in Minnesota. They're a team that uh, played Marquette and played them well. I watched that Marquette game, and I'm like, the Tommies are good. So uh, to to spin it forward, we got some good teams also in Minnesota. Uh, Oak Hill's not one of those teams. Um, let's do some shout outs and, and let's get out of here. I want to shout out Penny Hardaway in Memphis. They beat the Clemson Tigers. This was a fun game. I really enjoyed this game. And the best part about it was they won this game, and now we get the Penny Hardaway. You talked about Cal doing his victory lap. Penny Hardaway is getting ready to start, uh, you know, putting on his track shoes right now because uh, we even got accounts like Nick Van Exel is tweeting about how Penny Hardaway is 8-2 and two and nobody respects him, and the media is awfully, all caps, quiet. Media is awfully quiet. Don't hear him talking about Penny. Um, we love Penny on this show. I'm very happy for Penny. Uh, this Memphis team is tough. Um, I saw Quinterly getting a lot of love this week. So shout out to, to Quinterly, shout out to Jelly Fam. Uh, a nice little resurrection for Jelly Fam. But uh, what what are your thoughts on Memphis? Are we are we buying the hype? Because Chris Vernon's very hype on them as well. He thinks they're a real team. Yeah, I think they're hanging around in the, like I, I think they've shown a lot of good signs. I, that game was really fun to that was it was a really back and forth kind of um I mean DJ Hall was really awesome down the down the stretch of that game for yeah. Clemson, but they also uh 
I don't know. I, I thought there for a minute that they were going to give it away. It was one of those games where you kept like wanting to flip over like, OK, this is when it's decided you kind of want to like move to the next live thing. And I feel like neither team would sort of concede and, l- and let you do that. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I think Memphis is a, is a team that to be taken seriously. Uh, they're kind of, I guess, in that Houston zone, too, where we're kind of we're, we're waiting to see. But uh, yeah, this group, especially, you know, Tomlin, you know, could be is going to be a, a major addition for them, too. Yeah, they're going to be really good. I, I I do think that Naquan Tomlin is going to add like a whole other dynamic, and he's probably going to be very hungry and ready to play. So Memphis is going to be fun to watch. Shout out to P.J. Hall. Shout out to Clemson. I think they're a really good basketball team, very disciplined basketball team, a team that uh, when it comes to tournament time, like you just mentioned it, like you, you're going to have to put Clemson away. Like it's going to have to be 0-0 on the clock before you feel comfortable because they are a very good team. And I think P.J. Hall right now, I'd say he's my favorite to win ACC player of the year. So uh, shout, out, awesome. shout out to Clemson. Yeah. Um, shout out to the Tiger Showdown. We love to see that. Um, wanted to shout out the Kim Palm game. Nebraska beat Kansas State by the exact score of their Kim Palm rankings. Um, Kim Palm was very happy to see this. Uh, I think it was sixty-four to forty-six. Kansas State um, was uh, was uh, you know beaten by Nebraska. So that that was something to shout out there as well. Um, and then a, a more somber shout out just from my end, and then I'm done with my shout outs. And and you guys can we can rip through the rest. I know Kyle has some. Some news for us. Um, Eric Montross, uh, at the age of 52, 1993 national champion, voice of the Tar Heels, called games for so many years and literally was one of the nicest people when I went to Carolina basketball camp. My brother was like the Wendy's high school Heisman um, and had to meet with Eric Montross. He was like one of the nicest people um, that we that we ever dealt with. He's just like the ultimate Carolina guy, like would go to the children's hospital and and meet with kids with cancer and like, the, the definition of like Dean Smith, like, you know, you don't pat yourself on the back for doing the right thing. You just do the right thing. I mean, that is who Eric Montross is. And uh, one of my favorite Carolina players, my brother literally to go to bed at night would watch the 1993 title game VHS in his room and I could just hear it playing, you know, to go to sleep. Um, so we've watched Eric Montross so much in my house. And, uh, you know, I know he got diagnosed, uh, you know, uh, back in March or at least publicly got announced back in March. So to, to be in December and have him pass away, um, apparently he went to his daughter's graduation um, the day that he passed away from North Carolina was in the Dean Dome um, his last day, which is a very fitting and poetic ending. But um, anytime you see news like that, life hits you, especially around the holidays. So I just wanted to to send a note and a shout out to um, his whole family and just, uh, you know, pay our respects because he is one of the best of us. Um, you know, doesn't matter if you like Carolina or not, you probably love Eric Montross if you met him. So I uh, just wanted to, to do that before we get into some of our dumb shout outs. So pay a little uh, tribute to Eric Montross. Yeah, an icon in college basketball. I mean, a guy that like everybody knows. I mean, a guy's been around, was on some great teams. Obviously, you know, cancer and cancer research is really something that's hit home personally to me in the last year and a half. So right. uh, I support those things. I encourage other people to do it too. There's a lot, you know, not to like swing it technical, and but I'm like, uh, like, an optimist thing that I've heard lately is like, it is important to support these things because uh, there's a lot of like interesting, just like AI technology that's coming out for like early prevention and things like that. You know, mm. cancer affects everybody. It's really, um, you know, sorry, you know, shout out to all the UNC people in that community. I know that's a tough loss for them. That's one of their, one of their dear, one of their dear so, sort of, uh, sons in that community. So I, I hate to hear it and shout out to his family. Uh, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers to them. Thoughts and prayers for sure. Shout out to, to everybody affected by that. And, um, you know, anytime that you go and deal with North Carolina, uh, at any level, I mean, you would hear stories about how great Eric is and, uh, as someone that dealt with him personally, he was one of the best of us. Um, Kyle, you have some, some news 
that you pulled up. Uh, we, we love when Kyle does his uh, Google News search of college basketball. What's happening in college basketball? What did we miss this week, Kyle? Set what us is straight, going on? Kyle. Well, I got some <laughs> good news. Right. Dick Vitale is cancer-free. I have heard it before, and I nice. never get tired of hearing it. He just said recently, Santa Claus came early for me and my family. Just was on the phone with Dr. Rick Brown, my oncologist, and Dr. Ken Meredith, blood work. They gave me super news that the PET scan was clean, no cancer, and my blood work was all very good. To many of you, I send love and thank you for your prayers. God damn it. Love to see it, especially coming off a tough story like that. Yeah, that's uh, that's the positive news that we needed to hear coming off the the heels of that. So uh, shout out to Dickie V. He is the best. Um, I also appreciated like the CBS crew, Adam Zucker, who I'm a big fan of, Jay Wright, uh, you know, that whole crew. They, they shouted out Dickie V before they got into uh, the Kansas-Indiana game. And I saw Dickie V was very appreciative of that. So um, we love to see the good news. So shout out to Dickie V. And uh, hopefully we get him back on the mic soon. We, we need Dickie V back. I just need it. It'll just shoot me to the moon to hear his voice again. Yeah, kind of threw me off that that um, when we found that when we found out that last time that like he was he was he was kind of already cancer free, but he was having issues with the yeah. you know with the vocal cord stuff that came with it, and we were like, oh, is he not on track for uh, his debut? So hopefully, maybe we'll see him this year. I will keep yeah. perusing the interweb. We need him. We need him. He was supposed to call the Miami Kentucky game, which turned into a blowout. So it actually was fine. You know what I mean? We didn't need him for that game. So let's. Let's save him. I feel like you should do like the Carolina Duke game. You know, oh, like yeah. let's throw him a oh, bone. Like let, let, let's get let's get him like in Cameron indoor. We're like, oh baby, I'm back. Oh yes, like I need. We that. are so I back. Need, <laughs> yeah, yes. I need. I just need Dickie V to say the line. We are so back, so I can yes. like file that and use it for different yeah. situations. Yeah, perfect. Right. Forever, forever. <laughs> Anything else, Kyle? What else? Let's is see. Happening? This one's a silly one. Kim Mulkey, like a pretty silly, funny, exciting to watch ejection. Uh, in the. They were, you know, just beating the shit out of, uh, was it Northwest <laughs> State? Northwestern State. Uh, and she had to be nice. held back. There's some good videos of, uh, of it. And she just, I mean, she's just like this little, like, you know, snazzily dressed lady who's like, look like she's about to combust. And like Angel Reese and other people were uh, were holding her back. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're beating the shit out of this team and you've got less than five minutes left in the game. I don't know. I guess you just coach with a passion. So I thought that was funny. Shout out, uh, shout out to need- Kim Mulkey and the LSU super team. Um, that they, they are not afraid of headlines. Uh, Hunter Dickinson should play for LSU's women's team. You know what I mean? Like that would be awesome. Like anyone that chapter. like that whole, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that whole team loves headlines. <laughs> Kim Mulkey's the main one. Think so about the, the hype that. video that would come out of that. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Uh, one other story that I that I don't know if it was on your list. I did see Coach K, uh, Mr. K himself. He had Caitlin Clark on his radio show. And uh, during their little interview with each other, he said that he would love to have coached Caitlin Clark. He, he was like, it was almost sinister how much he said he would love. He was like, I would love it. <laughs> I would love it so much. Um, so I just wanted to shout that out. Mr. K, uh, if you're not listening to a serious XM show, go check it out. It's a, uh, it's a great time, uh, especially when you get Caitlin Clark. I mean, Caitlin, Caitlin loved them coach, you know. yeah. <laughs> that's literally, it was, it was like, uh, it was like sickening. Like it like echoed when he said it. I was like, Oh my God, get out of there, Caitlin. Um, but no, I mean, Ka- Caitlin Clark's so likable that like this interview is even, you know, she's still like, she still survived. You know what I mean? So shout out to her. That's uh that's the last shout out I got. Kyle, any more news? Anything it's else? It's just the last there? one. You know, it's, it was t- it was a Please. tough Google search this week. Uh, I didn't see a ton. <laughs> and so when that happens, I just type in Rick Pitino and see if anything came up. The last thing nice. we've got is, uh, I guess Dan Hurley was talking about how, you know, perfect Gonzaga is for the Big East and and all that stuff. And, and I, I don't know how it was broached to Rick, but he said, <laughs> 100% no. I don't feel like getting on a plane for five or six hours. Tell Hurley he could go join their conference. But if they want to join for basketball only, hey, let's do it. <laughs> so, so, and then I guess completely like, 
just so changes that's, that's, like that's, he that's covers his bases. So he said a hundred percent no, and then at the end he said, "But if they want to join just for basketball, sure." Um, so Which if they do join, just, yeah, that's <laughs> so what is that be. hedging he your bets in the same <laughs> sentence? That's pretty. That's pretty. I think good. he said a hundred. Oh, he's never been known to do that. Yeah. He said 100% no, and then he was like, oh, shit, I probably shouldn't have said that. So then he was like, I need to have like a little leeway here just in case this does happen. Because apparently uh, the Val Ackerman, the, the Big East commissioner, was at the Gonzaga-UConn uh, game and was basically trying to meet with Gonzaga's AD to talk about them going to the Big East. But how funny would that be? Gonzaga in Spokane, Washington, um, literally the West that as West could be in the U.S. of A, is going to go from the West Coast Conference to the Big East. Um, that would just be... Talk about hypocrisy in college basketball. Like, that would just be incredible. So, um, yeah, it's happening. I think it is happening. Something's happening. In Rick's defense, I think he had another quote there where he was standing up for the women in the smaller sports. He said, they don't even care about women's sports, minor sports. They're just saying you've got to travel. So everyone's going to be sitting (laughs) in an airport with their flight delayed while football and basketball are taking their private planes. God Mm. damn it, Rick. Don't forget about the little guys. Yeah, he is, so he is a man of the people. He's the man of the he people. Is. I mean, he, he speaks for all of us. Shout out to Rick. I mean, also St. Like, John's doesn't have a private plane, so I think he's probably he's probably really not for now. It. For right? now, yeah. Yeah. let's get Sully yeah. to fly it. Come on, uh, I yeah, I <laughs> you, you know he had that like crazed like smile on his face probably for that quote. Any quote whether you read and you're like, man, that seems aggressive. I'm sure he had that that look on his face where like seventy percent of his eyeballs are exposed. You know, that yes. crazy Rick Pitino face, bewildered. But, uh, yeah, but yeah. like focus. Also, yeah, good job by him trying to get Tommy DeVito in before he crashed and burned in front of, uh, you know, in front of the nation. He he saw he had those three New York Giants games in a row, and he was like, "Now it's now or never." I know yeah. this isn't going to last. So it'd be uh, great if he came out and was like, "Tommy DeVito is no longer invited to St. John's." <laughs> he knows how to get in. He knows how to get in and out of there quick. You know, yeah, yeah. that's, that's the ah, way. Yeah, stop it. fifteen yeah. fifteen it. seconds. That's I will all not. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got. Oh, man. What a a time. What a show. I appreciate everybody tuning in. We appreciate it. I know everybody's getting ready for uh, Christmas time and getting back with their family. So everyone, safe travels. Happy holidays. We'll be back on Friday. We'll see you then. So this will not be the last show of the week. But uh, again, appreciate everybody tuning in. This is One Shining Podcast. And we will see you not next Monday because it is Christmas, but the following Monday. So there you go. We'll see you then. And uh, keep tuning in. So thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.